0: On a trip to Greenland, Jack Harry saw a huge chunk of ice break off a glacier and crash into the sea. Already a keen filmmaker with an interest in travel, he knew then what he wanted to dedicate his whole life to, telling the stories of climate change. Years later, he's been all over the world, finding the people most affected by the climate crisis and giving them a voice in his documentary series, A Seat at the Table.
1: I wanted to talk about a message that was important. Um, And that's where climate and the environment really came to the forefront of my mind. And that was probably first kick-started with a trip to Greenland in 2015 with the WWF, where we went and saw uh, the Yakov Southern Glacier, which is one of the fastest retreating glaciers in Greenland. And it was just the first time I'd really understood climate change, and I saw it firsthand, I heard it, I felt it.
0: Join Jack now on a warm day in London's Victoria Park as he discusses the power of community activism, the need for storytelling, and completely fluffing his lines when he met Barack Obama.
1: Well, today is a a rare sunny Friday in Hackney. Um, We're right in the centre of Hackney, stood outside Mare Street Market, which is one of my favourite places in Hackney. It's a cafe, restaurant, bar. I get my hair cut here, we come here for drinks and meetings. I work just around the corner, so this really is home for me. Um, And we're about to head off to my second favourite place in Hackney, which is Victoria Park, which is a beautiful green space that I walk around very regularly. we can do is our own little bit and um, if we want to reduce emissions we want to reduce the amount of carbon we use we have to be more local you know we know that we can't it's not as simple as just um, continuing to live the way we live and switching out with green energy we need to actually change the way that we live we need to make it less carbon intensive less energy intensive and localism is an amazing answer to that and there's also like so, so many beautiful aspects to it right and i think a lot of us discovered that in the pandemic when suddenly we slowed down and we started to look to our immediate surroundings and discover who our neighbours were and how they could help us and how we could help them back. And yeah, that's been a big journey for me actually, is discovering the power of community. There's strength and resilience in community. Oh, and we hear our first bird sound, which means we're getting away from the busy heart of Hackney and out to Victoria Park. There have been some very surreal moments in my career over the last few years. Um, Interviewing Sir David Attenborough was definitely one of them. I would say that was the second most nerve-wracking day of my life. The first was when I had a chance to interview um, Barack Obama. And it's impossible to say that without sounding like some sort of name drop and humble brag, but it's Barack Obama. I I still haven't gotten over it. Um, And uh, yeah, both of those days were completely surreal. And I decided for some stupid reason just before the interview that I wanted to name every single one of the characters that was in our documentary because I felt you know this interview wasn't about me meeting him it was about bringing these stories um, that we had captured along the way to COP and, and, and to Barack Obama and so you know he comes out the building I walk up to him I say Mr President which is what you're meant to call him even though he's no longer actually the president of the United States and then we start walking and I attempt to name every single one of our characters. And of course, I forget the names and I completely stumble. But he was so cool and he was so kind and just just really like helpful that he just kind of helped me breeze over it. And we just totally picked up the conversation. We sat down on a bench and then we had like the loveliest chat which went on for, I don't know, 20 or 30 minutes, way longer than the time that was allotted. And I just felt really grateful to him. You know, he could have been much more, much ruder much more you know just oh, I'm busy I need to get on with this but he was he was really generous with his time and um, made, put me totally at ease to be in his in his uh, presence so yeah that was an experience I'll never forget So we're at St Agnes Gate in Victoria Park which is the gate closest to my house and where I work um, and it 's got a few beautiful lakes it 's got the amazing pavilion cafe and today we 're just going to do a little stroll around the west part of the park we 're going to go past a community owned vegetable patch through some woods along the canal and we 're going to finish at pavilion cafe which is one of my favorite spots you know stood here you can 't see a single building maybe I can see a little tiny little bit of a window peeking through a tree but other than that you certainly can't see any high rise you can't see any concrete again very rare in London and um, yeah it's just really special to be enveloped by nature green in every direction. So yeah I grew up in in West London and my mum was well she was a filmmaker uh, originally she used to make documentary films and so I grew up in a household where filmmaking and storytelling was a big part of my everyday life. My father is also a television producer and my grandfather is a writer so I sort of grew up in a family of storytellers um, but my mum was also a very passionate uh, environmental activist and she used to take my brother and I to protests outside the Heathrow Third Runway and I remember her going to lock herself to the House of Parliament one day and telling us she may be arrested and of course when you're a kid or like a teenager you just think this is the lamest thing ever and you, <laughs> you want to have nothing to do with it but clearly some of it rubbed off on me and Um, when I grew up I wanted to be a filmmaker and I I started making films when I was 18 um, and posting them up onto YouTube and really it was just a way of um, keeping myself busy on my year off before university and sharing what I was doing with friends and family there was no like big intention to it and certainly activism wasn't um, at the forefront of my mind Uh, but that that took me onto a whole journey of discovering YouTube and building an audience on there and Somewhere along that way I started to really uh, feel a responsibility that we had an audience and I wanted to talk about a message that was important. Um, and that's where climate and the environment really came to the forefront of my mind. And that was probably first kick-started with a trip to Greenland in 2015 with the WWF, where we went and saw uh, the Yakov Southern Glacier, which is one of the fastest retreating glaciers in Greenland. And it was just the first time I'd really understood climate change and I saw it firsthand. I heard it, I felt it and I became sort of obsessed with trying to communicate that story. Um, But more specifically, trying to communicate the human impact of climate change as well. Like how does this affect people living around the world? And um, so yeah, it's led me to many different places ever since. What I'm currently looking at is uh, a beautiful wild garden. You can see roses, you can see vegetable boxes, lots of overgrown greenery. Um, And this is a community owned vegetable garden. So uh, members of the community come here and they learn to grow um, and they learn about food production. I think this is so rare to have in the middle of a city. Um, And not many people know this is here as well. It's tucked right away in a secret corner of Victoria Park. But if we walk around a little bit, we might be able to peek more over the windows um, and every now and then I'll see volunteers in here, and yeah, it just kind of... I don't know, I just think it's a really cool thing to have in the middle of a park. When I look back at the last few years and I think about the different trips I've been on, there are many moments that have like, impacted the way that I think and changed my perspective on this issue, but for some reason the one that really jumps out in this moment was a trip I went on to an island called Kiribati in the South Pacific in 2018. Um, uh, and Kiribati is it's one of the lowest-lying island nations in the world. And for me, it was the first time that I really understood the concept of, of climate justice or, or climate injustice, you know, the idea that those who have done the absolute least to cause this crisis are suffering the most. And that made me really angry, and it made me want to take action I think partly I like these types of spaces so much because I, I grew up in West London and there was a nature reserve right where I grew up. It was called the Triangle and it was just this little triangle triangular bit of land by the tube station that someone had just preserved as a nature reserve. And you would go through the gates and it was just like this whole wild world would develop. I remember there were snakes in there. They had a pond with tadpoles and butterflies and grasshoppers. And it, I just have such a like childish kind of like sense of excitement when I go into those spaces. Um, and bits of Victoria Park remind me of that nature of love, so I think it takes me back a little bit. And we're just headed out towards the canal which uh, banks alongside one side of Victoria Park. And the canal is one of my favourite things, I mentioned it earlier in Hackney. Personally I just, I love water um, and you can probably hear in the background there's lots of bikes and runners coming past us. It's a great place to go and run because it's a long... Uh, straight stretch and actually you can you could run or cycle along this canal all the way from here to west london um, which I used to do when I was training for the Hackney Half. that's um, so another reason I love Victoria Park is from my house round Victoria Park and back it's almost exactly a perfect 5k and uh, this is coming from someone who isn't a runner who is never very good at running but this year I signed up for the Hackney Half, and so this became my place to come and I'm looking at lots of uh, houseboats, canal boats Some of them stacked up kind of too deep in order to get a good mooring spot. Um, I think if you live on a canal boat, this is a very sought-after spot to be because you're right in the middle of Hackney and, of course, next to the park. And I love walking along here and just looking at the houseboats because, for me, like this one right in front of us, right, I'm looking at one that has been kind of... I don't know how to describe it. There's lots of upcycled bits of wood have been used to create this houseboat. It's very very homemade but beautiful. It's like a beautiful piece of art to me Um, and I love just looking at the way people live and the ingenuity of humans uh, when they want to find somewhere to live that's a little bit more outside of the norm. There's one in front of me now that is looks like it's an old lifeboat. It's a bright orange kind of Thing that I imagine would be used as like a life raft on a much larger ship, but someone has turned it into their house. And, and why not, you know? I feel like London is so expensive, it's so overpriced. Uh, I think it's really cool that people are finding alternative ways to access the city. And living closer to nature, lots of these houseboats have plants growing off the roof. This one's got a beautiful um, flowers on top and some of them have solar panels. In the climate environment space there's a lot of storytelling that is quite uh scary there's a lot of doomism there's a lot of kind of uh what do people call it doom scrolling where you're just going through social media and it can be really terrifying right and i think that can often lead to a sense of paralysis you you just think oh this is such a big issue and it's so out of my control what can i do and and in my storytelling and at Earthrise, which is the media company that I run, we really believe in this idea of radical optimism. You know, we need to paint a, a future, a vision of the future that we want to see. Otherwise, how are we going to be able to get there? And so for me, it's about, you know, being realistic about the severity of the crisis we're facing, but also embracing uh, the creativity of storytelling and the power of imagination to paint a different picture. I mean, just to use a, a really tangible, relevant example, Uh, Right now, at the time of recording, New York is shrouded in um, orange dust clouds. It's all over the news, and this is because of um, wildfires that are out of control in uh, Canada that are blowing down the the smoke. And I think lots of people are feeling really anxious about this. It's a rare example of climate change suddenly kind of feeling like it's on the front doorsteps of people living in cities. And you know, I've been feeling really anxious about this. But then just this morning on Twitter, I saw this incredible footage of 200 South African firefighters who have arrived in Canada to help fight the wildfires. And they're doing this incredible song and dance to sort of you know, announce their arrival. And that gives me a lot of hope. It reminds you of the solidarity that these situations can lead to and the power of humanity when we come together to try and take action. So we need these little moments you know, of hope to uplift us even in the face of crisis. we're just coming so we've been walking down the canal we're just coming back to the entrance of Victoria Park and there's a really lovely sight There's a, a boat here in the lock and the, the lock gates as, as I speak are just opening and you can see it's being manned by volunteers and there's actually a sign that says volunteers on lock duty that's part of the canal and river Trust. and then just across the canal there's a, a woman in an amazing bright pink dress and her two dogs which you can probably hear barking and she's snipping away at her overgrown roses in her garden which goes right down to the end of the canal. Um, And yeah, this is like, this is a lovely hackney scene for me. It's a lovely example of community. Something I've been consciously thinking a lot about is the, uh, the dichotomy of flying around the world to report on climate change and I have a real guilt about my own carbon emissions and so something I've been trying to do much more intentionally is not fly um, and committed to, to doing that uh, and it's why I'm so excited about this series Wild Weekends that I'm doing with Canopy and Stars because it's given me the opportunity to do just that to hop on a train to so get in a nice electric mini, in one case, and um, go and explore you know, some of the wilder parts of the UK. The first one is in Herefordshire, the second one is in Wales, and in the next two we're going to be going down to the south of the UK, around Kent. And in each one we go and stay in an incredible uh, Canopy and Stars accommodation and then discover that local area and do amazing activities. So it could be cider tasting, uh, wood carving, canoeing down the river Wye, for example. Um, And yeah, it's just a lovely time away with a group of friends in nature. It's a reminder that even over the course of a weekend, you can have an incredible adventure. You can get out in nature, you can spend time with friends, you can go canoeing down a river. You don't have to get on an airplane, you don't have to burn immense amounts of carbon. uh, And you can still have that feeling of of adventure. being somewhere new and having new experiences so yeah it's been a really lovely reminder of that and it's made me want to go even further afield so we've just banked off regent's canal and we're back into the park through arcade gate and we're coming to one of the most dramatic parts of the park. So you kind of, you know, up until now we've been kind of lined by trees on either side and suddenly the park opens up in quite a dramatic way. And on my left, I'm looking at a beautiful lake and in the middle is quite a dramatic water fountain. Um, and then across the lake, you can see pavilion cafe, uh, which is in a kind of beautiful sort of Victorian style pavilion. Um, and it's great for coffee and granola and pastries. Um, and it's a really lovely place to come and have breakfast, which I don't do enough, but every time I do, it just makes me feel really happy and peaceful to come and sit on the little balcony that looks out over the lake. And it's a boating lake as well, so you can rent little row boats and go out on the lake for the day. I mean, I, I love being a filmmaker and having a camera, partly because it just it's like a passport to go to all these incredible places. You know, it's like there are so many moments where I'm holding a camera in my hand and I think I would not be having this experience if I didn't have a camera with me. And so, yeah, it's a conduit to have all these incredible experiences. But at the same time, of course, when you're, when you're filming and you're in work mode, there's a slight separation from what you're experiencing. And it's so lovely to come to places like this where You're not holding a camera and you're just experiencing it for just yourself. And I'm sure many people can relate to that feeling as well of like, I go to grab my phone to put it on social media and then I'm like, No, Jack, you don't have to share everything. You can just enjoy this, you know, for yourself. Uh, So that is something I'm always trying to remind myself.
0: If you haven't watched A Seat at the Table, you really should check it out to see some powerful testimony from the people most affected by the climate crisis. Next time, we go from the global to the deeply personal on a walk along the coast with author Catherine May, whose book Wintering tells how connecting to the natural world helped her through the most difficult time in her life. Remember, if you haven't already, to give us a follow on your podcast app Tell a friend about the podcast and check out at Canopy and Styles on Instagram to see footage and photos from our days out recording.